When it comes to faith, we all have those big questions. Questions that can have a huge effect on our lives. And finding the answer isn't always easy. In fact, it's kind of hard. There are so many opinions and places to find information. It can be overwhelming. So we came up with a way to help. We put together a list of your top questions. Then we made a sermon series based on the things you asked. Each week we'll look at one of these questions and see what God's word says about it. We call this series, Ask Away. Come on, Go Church family. How you feel today? Everybody feel good? Anybody in the room love Jesus? Come on. Woo! Well, happy Sunday, happy summer. It's an honor and a joy to see everybody at our 945 gathering here at our broadcast campus. Many of you know this, we're one church in multiple locations. We've got a crazy dysfunctional crew right here today. Come on, that's all of you. Can you say amen to that? Look at somebody sitting next to you and say, he's talking more about you than he is about me. Go ahead. But let me welcome Montgomery County, Maryland, Westside, Atlanta, everybody watching online. We greet all of you. All right, Go Church family, put your hands together. Say hello to all of your campus family, all of you Go Church crew. And then we've got uh, an opportunity here just to celebrate and honor the brave men and women that have served in the military, currently serving in the military, all of our first responders. If that's you, men and women serving, have served first responders, I want you at every campus to put your hand up, and I want every room to show some high appreciation and honor. No, 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 no. Come on, take your volume up just a little bit. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ron. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless all of you. It's fantastic. Thank you for serving. And uh, all right, next weekend, Friday and Saturday, really a, it's a monumental weekend in the life of Go Church. It's our annual Man Up Conference. This is what I'm believing that will happen next Friday and Saturday, that God is gonna grab hold of the hearts of some men, some fathers, some husbands, some sons, some brothers. And he's gonna do a great work in us guys as we dive deeper into what it means to be a man of God after God's own heart, it's gonna be a great weekend. Now, what's interesting about like a man's conference, different than like our women's conference, You Go Girl. You Go Girl sold out in like seven days. It's taken you fellas like seven weeks, come on now. So, I asked my buddy Todd to pull up online how many tickets we have left for the Man Up Conference. And this is in real time as of three minutes ago. I got 12 tickets. That's it, 12 tickets. So scan the QR code, because this is it. Today it's gonna be out, and I don't want you to miss. You can scan the QR code, you can stop by Next Steps, or you can go to mygochurch.com or the app. It's gonna be a great weekend, Friday night, and then we're done by lunch on Saturday. After the event on Saturday, we've got three-on-three -three basketball tournament, and we've got a men's golf scramble that's happening. So it's gonna be a great weekend. I want you guys to be involved, so I got 12 tickets left. Don't miss it, all right? Everybody else, will you be praying for the Man Up Conference? Can I get a good amen right there? Come on. It'll be a great weekend, and I believe that revival is going to happen. All right, today we are in week number three of our annual series called Ask Away. This series really is driven by you all. On Easter Sunday, we give you a survey, and we ask you, what is one theme that you wanna hear a message preached on? And then we took the top four most selected topics or themes. We turned that into a series. So the number one most selected topic was on the book of Revelation and end times. I spoke a message on that three Sundays ago now. So if you missed that, go back online 
or mygochurch.com. Check us out on the YouTube. We went through all 22 chapters of the book of Revelation. Last Sunday, our campus pastors in Montgomery County, Maryland, and Westside, they spoke a message on family. Pastor David Waldrop, one of our executive pastors, spoke right here. If you were here last Sunday or you watched online and you were blessed by the word from those great men and Pastor Lisa as a woman of God, can you just say thank you to them? Come on. Next Sunday, we're gonna talk about anxiety and depression. So I want you to be here for that Sunday, especially those of you that may be wrestling with some anxiety or depression, or maybe you know somebody that's wrestling with anxiety and depression. It's gonna be really a life-giving, hope-filled message. But today, we're gonna talk about forgiving difficult people. How many of you know that people are just straight crazy now? Come on, they are crazy. But we gotta love them, we gotta learn to forgive them. So I want you to take notes today. There's a sermon note card, a message note card in a seat that is near you, a seat back pocket near you. Uh, you can take out your journal, write some notes, leverage using your smartphone to take some notes. I'm gonna give you a ton of Bible today. Is it okay that you're a part of a church that still preaches the word? Like 14 of you, all right, that's good. We're gonna use a lot of scripture today, so I want you to write down these verses. This is gonna be a, a huge help for you. It's gonna be a huge help for somebody that you know is struggling or dealing with unforgiveness or harboring some resentment or bitterness. So let's dive in together. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're new to Go Church, I always try to take about 10 seconds here before I offer a corporate prayer, allow you to center your thoughts and concentration, invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. And after about 10 seconds, I'll pray for us, okay? Let's take a few moments and then I'll pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just honor you and we thank you for meeting us here. I pray that through our worship today at every campus through this message, that truly you would just get glory and that you would be honored. God, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, that you would do a transformational work in our lives and in our heart. Turning the other cheek, forgiving people that have done us wrong, that it's, it's, it's hard. But we thank you that through your Holy Spirit that you can give us peace, you can give us grace, you can give us the strength and the discipline to forgive others the way that you have forgiven us. We'll learn a lot about that today, but Lord, I just pray that you would open up our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears, open up our heart to hear from you, and may we walk out of this room different than how we walked in, leaving here. You tell us in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your cares on me, Jesus, because you care for us. So let us do that today. May, may there be burdens that are lifted today, and may we walk out feeling lighter in faith because of the work that you're doing in our hearts. So we give you thanks in advance. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. As a matter of fact, I want you to take about five seconds and I just want you to speak the name of Jesus over whatever situation. The name of Jesus over your family, the name of Jesus over your health, the name of Jesus over your finances. Come on, out loud, everybody say the name Jesus. The name of Jesus over broken relationships, the name of Jesus over your fear, the name of Jesus over unforgiveness. Jesus is the answer. And so we pray all of these things in the precious, 
powerful name of Jesus. And together the church said amen and amen. Now let's give Jesus the best praise that we've got because he is worthy of it all. Come on. Let's go. All right, by a show of hands, I need you to participate here, whatever campus you're at today. By a show of hands, have any of you ever wrestled with frustration towards another person, anger towards another person? Keep your hand up for a moment. Uh, you've wrestled with forgiving other people. Some of y'all in the back are looking right at each other like, I've been waiting for this moment, hands down. I mean, you can go back in your life to like your very earliest memories and you will learn very, very fast in your memory of just how people are conditioned to hurt people. I mean, some of you remember like in pre-K, somebody stealing your Barbie or your Tonka truck. And so you were offended by that, you were hurt by that. I remember in kindergarten, my little best friend Neil in kindergarten stole my girlfriend at nap time. Come on, somebody. All of us have been offended. Somebody has said something to us or they've done something to us. They stole something from us. They mistreated us. They manipulated us. A friend backstabbed you. A boss fired you unfairly or without cause. A family member hurt you. I know we talked about family last week, but genuinely there is no hurt like family hurt. Uh, somebody has done something to, to one of your children. It's one, it's one, let me just talk about me for a minute. Like it's one thing if you hurt me, but if, if you hurt one of my kids, I'm gonna steal a line from my father-in-law, the bishop, the spirit of slap will come all over me. How many of you know that this is a good moment just to confess some things to the Lord? Have you ever just wanted to punch somebody in the throat? Go ahead and just be honest, all right? You just need to be honest, you know? But if you, like if you hurt somebody that you love, and so we've all been offended, we've all been hurt, we've all been mistreated, we've all been lied to or lied about. So how do, how do we handle that? Like, what do we do with that? Especially for those that are in a relationship with, with Christ, what, what is the Christian response? What's the biblical response on forgiving people that have hurt you? Some of you have like, I'll call them chronic offenders, repeat offenders, people that you continue to allow in your life, in your circle, in your entourage, and all they know to do is to hurt you over and over and over again. How, how do you forgive those people? Now, here's what I know. Like, in a church this size, there are extreme ends of the, the spectrum of unforgiveness and defense. Some of you are, are here, and you are, like, easily offended. Anybody know anybody that's easily offended? How do I know if that's you? Because you were offended that I said you were easily offended. Like this. You're like right there. But then some of you are like deeply offended. You've been deeply hurt. And like the pain of that, I can't even begin to try to explain the story or your testimony of what caused you to experience this deep pain. So while this conversation may not necessarily pinpoint your specific hurt, pain, unforgiveness, bitterness, or whatever, I do think that through God's word, we can learn some stuff together. So as a follower of Christ, how do we respond? Well, one of Jesus' disciples, Simon Peter, asked Jesus that very question that you and I have asked him, how do I forgive this person that, that has done me wrong? 
And Simon Peter says, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Now, for some of you, that literally is your family, like your, your brother, your sister, your mother, your father. For others of you, it's, it's church hurt, brothers or sisters in the faith. For some of you, it's friends or coworkers. But Simon Peter is saying, how do I forgive that person who has sinned against me? And then he tries to puff up his spiritual resume and say, will seven times be sufficient? And Jesus responds and he says, I, I tell you, it's not, it's not seven times, but it's 70 times seven. Now what Jesus is not doing is giving you a mathematical answer. True forgiveness is not forgiving someone 490 times. What Jesus is teaching Simon Peter, and it's even more of a reality for us today because we are living post the crucifixion, post Jesus dying on the cross, where on that cross stretched out were his arms of grace, mercy, and forgiveness. So it's such a truth for us today. Jesus says it's not seven times, it's 70 times seven, which means don't, don't set a limit on how much forgiveness you need to extend to somebody. As a matter of fact, Jesus says you need to forgive them every single time they hurt you, every time they offend you, every time they cause a pain, every time they cut you. You've gotta learn to extend that forgiveness, extend that grace over and over and over. Yeah, but Pastor JC, you don't know my story. You're right, you're right. But Jesus specifically calls us to this life of forgiveness. Why? Why should we forgive? The first one, you already know this, but I wanna make sure we're all on the same page. If you are in a relationship with Christ, then we know that forgiveness is commanded by God. I mean, forgiveness is the heart of the gospel. Forgiveness is like the central theme of the scriptures. You, you've gotta find a place in your heart to forgive others because Jesus didn't suggest that forgiveness was a good idea. He commanded it. And look at me. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, now, this is gonna be easy. Forgiveness is actually very, very hard. And, and the deeper the hurt, the deeper the pain, the deeper the situation, the harder it is to forgive those. But here's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter four, verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Love, kindness, compassionate, all characteristics of forgiveness. And then here's what, what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, I want every campus to read the second half of verse 32. It's highlighted in yellow. You ready on three? One, two, three. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Anybody thankful that God forgave you? So forgiveness is not a suggestion from God, it's a command from God. That no matter what they do, what they said, how they treated you, how they didn't treat you, whatever the situation, you've got to forgive those who have hurt you. And then the other reason that we have to learn to forgive is because your spiritual freedom is attached to your responsibility to forgive those who have done you wrong. So here's what I mean by that. When you choose to harbor bitterness and resentment and anger. That is your prison. You will forever, as long as you have unforgiveness in your heart towards that individual, you will always be shackled to bitterness and anger. And this isn't on the screen, but I want you to write it down. Please write it down. 
there is danger in anger. One of the very first sermons, not one of, the very first sermon that Jesus ever preached in Matthew chapter five, known as the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus associated anger with murder. And when you choose unforgiveness, you literally create your own prison. And the only option, if you choose not to forgive, the only option is resentment and revenge. And here's what the Bible says in Matthew chapter six. Watch this. If you forgive other people, whenever they sin against you, and you raised your hand a moment ago and you said, people have done me wrong, they've hurt me. But if you'll forgive those people when they sin against you, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now here's the key to unlocking the spiritual freedom right here. If you choose to forgive, then God can forgive you. But if you don't forgive others of their sins, then your Father won't forgive you of yours. So what is forgiveness or what is not forgiveness? We'll look at both of these here. Let's rapid fire through them. Ready? The first one is this, and you've heard me talk about this pretty often if you've been a part of Go Church for any period of time, but forgiveness is not forgetting. How many of you, you've heard the old saying, forgive and forget? Yeah, that's a lie. Not only is it a lie, but it's impossible. Not only is it a lie, and not only is it impossible, but it's incredibly unhealthy. Forgiveness is the opposite of forgetting. Forgiveness is remembering everything that that person did to you or to the person that you love. Every hurtful word, every hurtful action, every hurtful deed, every scenario, every moment of it, and then choosing in your heart to decide, now I remember all of it, but I'm going to forgive you anyway. So forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is remembering and then choosing to forgive in spite of what you experienced. Forgiveness also is not pretending like the offense never happened. Listen to me for a second. You can't pretend like you're not hurt. You can't pretend like you're not impacted. You can't pretend like you're not mad. As a matter of fact, pretending like you're not upset, pretending like you're not impacted by it, pretending like the offense didn't happen, that's not, that's not forgiveness, that's lying. And some of you, you're trying to pretend like whatever it is, it didn't happen, hoping that you can hide it in a closet. You're just lying to yourself. The best way is to confront it, to bring that thing that is in the darkness to light because when things get in the light, God can expose it and there can be healing there. I gotta move, watch this. Forgiveness is, is not excusing the person's behavior. I'll break this one down into two parts here, but let me talk about this one for a moment. And I'm gonna get ahead of myself for a second because we'll really talk about this in just a minute. But an individual that hurts you, offends you, does you wrong, listen to me, they will reap what they sow. But vengeance is mine, says the Lord. So I don't want you to think in your heart because some of you want them to suffer. You want them to pay for what they did. But what's happening is you're harboring that resentment because you're worried that, well, they're not gonna get the punishment that they deserve. Listen, your job is to forgive. It's God's job to judge. Also, forgiveness is not allowing them to continue to mistreat you or take advantage of you. Some of you, some of you continue to allow these chronic offenders, these repeat offenders 
to over and over and over again, time and time and time again, hurt you, lie to you, abuse you, mistreat you, cut you, kick you, beat you down. You're not a punching bag. You're not a doormat. I hope that there's a lot that you can gain from this message. And one of the things I hope you can take is that take some authority, put your foot down and say, you know what? Enough is enough. We've been down the same road too many times and I am not less than where you can talk to me that way or treat me that way. As a matter of fact, watch this. In forgiveness, there is wisdom. And as a part of the wisdom that you get in forgiveness and through the Holy Spirit is you get to set boundaries. Let me say it to you like this. When you choose to forgive, you can create offense so that you keep out the offense. Did you hear that? So you don't, you're not a doormat for these people to keep hurting you and putting you, look at me. I don't know who this is for, but in the authority of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, you are better than that. Don't let them keep hurting you. Don't let them keep beating you down. You do whatever you gotta do, but you stand firm, you take your ground, and you don't let them to continue to mistreat you. Can we pause right there? Just to encourage somebody, come on. It's not excusing the person's behavior, and it's not allowing them to mistreat you, all right? What is forgiveness? Well, forgiveness, forgiveness is for you, and not even for them. I can think about a hundred different scenarios in my life where I've been hurt, offended, mistreated, lied about, you name it. And here's what I've learned about, about the, the offender, the one that's causing the pain and the grief and, and all of that. I'm just a victim of theirs. They've moved on. They're, they're, they're out hurting other people. They, they've forgotten about me in most cases. But I'm the one that can't sleep at night. I'm the one that, that the unforgiveness because of what they've done, I can't have joy. I can't have peace. I stay frustrated. Am I talking to anybody? So when we choose to forgive, it's not even about them. It's about us saying, you know what? God, if you've created, if you've destined for me to be free, whom the sun set free is free indeed. I don't wanna live in this prison anymore. So, so no matter what they do or what they choose to hear or what they, how they choose to respond, I'm taking the shackles of bitterness and anger off and I'm living my life to the full in Christ Jesus. So, so watch this. If you go back to the Greek word of forgive, it's literally translated to send it away to let it go. Now, I wish that it was that easy. Like I could be like, whew, and you're like, I let it go. Like a hot air balloon, baby, just gone. I know it's a process. I know that it's hard. But literally, if you harbor unforgiveness and bitterness and you refuse to forgive, it's like you drinking a bottle of poison thinking it's going to kill the other person. It's only hurting you. So forgiveness is for you, it's, it's not necessarily for them. Secondly, forgiveness is a decision to release a debt regardless of how you feel. Well, how do you feel? I'm angry. How do you feel? I'm broken. How do you feel? I want an apology. How do you feel? I want them punished. 
Sure, those are emotions and understandably so for what you've been through. But watch this, you may never get what you want. So that doesn't mean that you can't forgive them. In God's word, he says, no matter what, you have to release this debt irregardless of how you feel. And this leads me to the next thought. They tie hand in hand, watch, because forgiveness is allowing God to be the judge. Every single one of us will stand before God, our judge, one day. And we will be held accountable for what we've done. So watch this. Let me say it to you like this. You may have been their victim, but you were not their judge. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 5 says that God will bring to light the things that were in the darkness. And when he does that, he will reveal the true motives of their heart. Let God judge them. I think so many of you, you stay trapped in this prison because you're hoping that you get to see the end of the, re, of the trial for the individual that hurt you. I don't know how that's gonna play out, but I do know this, is that you are responsible for you and nobody else. So you let God be God and you do you, boo. Can I get an amen from somebody? Come on. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right. So how then do we forgive? Because this isn't, again, this isn't like, uh, ah, just you figure it out, get over it. And I know some stories. I'm looking around this room with some people. You've been through some stuff. Heavy, it's hard. So if, if you are in the faith, God does show us something, reveal some things to us in his word. Matthew chapter 18, I'll sit on these uh, verses 15, 16, and 17, these three verses for a moment here. And I'm gonna start with the very first thought. If another believer sins against you. So here, Jesus is addressing discipline in the church when another Christian offends another Christian. Does that make sense? But that's not where some of your hurt has come from. Some of you have been hurt by people that they don't believe in God, they don't know God, they don't have a relationship with God, so how do I handle those people? Now, we'll come back to this in just a moment, but what about these people that, that they don't believe in what you believe in or who you believe in? Well, Jesus gave us the example on how to handle those people when unbelievers crucified him on a cross. They didn't believe that he was the Messiah, the, the true son of the living God, and so they crucified him. And while Jesus is being crucified, what does he do? He, he prays this prayer, and you know it. He says, Father, forgive them, for they what? Know not what they do. Now, I'm gonna be very careful and mindful of individuals that aren't in the faith, but you can't expect them to behave by the ways of the word when all they know is to live by the ways of the world. So, and again, it's not excusing them from their behavior or releasing them from the consequences, but they're, they're immature. They're foolish in their ways. So you can't, let me say it to you like this. I don't know if this is anointed or if I'm just straight in the flesh, but either way, I'm gonna say it. You can't be surprised when they're acting like an idiot. I think that was spiritual. I felt that. That was the Lord. Because they don't know any different. They're living their life without the, the morality and the convictions and the ethics of Christianity that you and I have because of our belief in God and in his word. So again, God 
Let God be the judge to them, but your prayer should be, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. But what about the people who do know what they're doing? These people that have a relationship with Christ, they're in the faith. They know right from wrong. They, they should have morals and Christian ethics and, and values. Well, here's what Jesus is addressing. So for these individuals, here's what he says. All right, if a believer sins against you, go and point out their offense. And here's where it starts, just between the two of you. And if the other person listens and confesses it, you've won the person back. But if you go to them and you're unsuccessful, then take one or two others with you and, and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. Verse 17, and if the person still refuses to listen, then take your case to the church. Then if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or as a corrupt individual that works for the IRS. So that's what the Bible says. It's not me, that's what the Bible says, okay? I want you to see this one more time and then I'll show you just, man, the Lord just deposited this in my, in my heart in preparation for today. If someone in the faith mistreats you or does you wrong, how do you respond? You go and point out their offense, just the two of you. If that's unsuccessful, you take one or two others with you, you go back again. If that still is unsuccessful, now you take your case to the church. And I know it's not as easy as just here, do these three things and you'll be fine, but let me just unpack this for a moment. The first step here is you have to initiate the process of forgiveness. You have to say something. I don't know how you're wired, I don't know what your personality is. Um, I know for me that whenever I'm offended or I'm hurt or something that happens, when I don't talk to that individual, I, I will, man, I will sit on that, stir on that, and that, that thing that really is relatively small initially, my mama would say it like this, JC, don't, don't make a mountain out of a molehill. Anybody ever heard that? If you don't know what a molehill is, just ask the person next to you. But don't, don't make something that's, that's relatively small so big. Like the Bible says, don't let the sun go down while you're angry, right? Handle your business. So I'm frustrated, but part of it is you've gotta take ownership to say to the individual, I need to speak with you. I need to talk to you. Now the second part is, and this is the hard part, and it's part of the reason that you don't wanna go and have the conversation because the Bible says, go and point out the offense. That means that you've gotta face the hurt. Not only do you have to face the hurt, but you gotta face the one that's hurt you or hurt somebody that you loved. But again, what God wants for you is, is true freedom. And the longer you sit on this, man, that thing will just, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Like that thing will just build and build and build. So you gotta face the hurt. You have to have that conversation. And then you need to get help when you need it especially for those that are in the faith. These are believers that have done you wrong. Man, sometimes you just, you need a pastor that can help you to, to put some thoughts together or to pray for you as you take the courage and the bravery to have this conversation. But I also think at Go Church, let's take it a step further. Not only is it a pastor, but, but we have Christian counseling that we offer here. Some of you, because of the, the, the hurt and the offense 
and what's now built up inside of you is so much, you need counseling. You need somebody that you can sit down with repeatedly and unpack all of the pain from the past that's keeping you from stepping into your full future. Is this okay, everybody good? So at the end of the day, you've got a responsibility to play here. And again, well, what if they don't respond the way that I want them to? It's not about them, it's about you. God, God will handle them. God's challenging you and convicting you to handle you. So if there's been offense, you've got a decision to make. You can let it ride just how it is, or you can trust the Holy Spirit to give you the courage and the boldness and the strength to initiate the process of forgiveness, to face the hurt, and then this is big, to know that you're not having to go through this alone. To know that there are people for you, they believe in you, and they love you. Is this good so far? Come on, is it good? All right. Let me give you three stories, three amazing stories of forgiveness from the Bible. And let's start with this one, the story of Joseph forgiving his brothers. I wanna tell you this story because I mentioned to you earlier that the worst kind of hurt is family hurt. And I mean, there, there's a lot of dysfunctional families in the Bible, which should really encourage you all, by the way. Come on. But I'm not sure of a story with more hurt to an individual than the story of Joseph. Joseph, as a young boy, he has a dream from God. He tells his brothers about this dream. Look at me. Be careful who you tell your dreams to. He tells them about the dream that in the dream, Joseph was promoted to a, a level of high leadership and authority. And in the dream, he saw all of his brothers bowing down to him. Well, the brothers didn't like that. So they took a shovel and they dug a hole. And they literally buried their brother alive. Well, one of the brothers said, you know, this is, this is, a, li this is a little extreme. So this is the first recorded trafficking story in the scriptures where they literally sold their brother. They sold their brother. And Joseph ends up in Potiphar's house. There he's a hired servant, and while he's working in Potiphar's home, Potiphar's wife, uh, she, she makes an advance on him. She makes a move on him. He rejects the advance. So she goes and tells everybody that it was Joseph that tried to seduce her. So Potiphar has Joseph thrown into prison. So he's gone from a pit, now he's in prison. But all throughout this story in Genesis, there's this one phrase that's repeated, but the Lord was with Joseph. While he's in prison, Pharaoh has a dream that, that nobody can interpret. Well, he gets word that Joseph has the gift of interpretation of dreams. So he gets the dream to Joseph, and here's the interpretation. In the land, there is gonna be seven years of abundance and seven years of lack or famine. Seven years of blessing and seven years of lack. Well, Pharaoh decides to promote Joseph as governor of the land, and his primary job is running logistics on collecting the food and the crop and the seed and the harvest during the seven years of abundance so that it can be distributed to the people during the seven years of famine. If you're with me, say I'm there. So the seven years of abundance happens and now Joseph is sitting on, on a throne as the governor of Egypt during the seven years of famine and guess who bows down at his feet? His brothers. Now if it were me, 
Can I get an amen from somebody? I would have stood up and been like, you no good, sorry. No, I'm just kidding. What does Joseph do? The Bible says in Genesis 45, verse 15, watch. Then he kissed each of his brothers and he wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. He forgave them for putting him in a pit, trafficking him, telling his father that he had been eaten by a wild animal. And in this moment, where as the governor, he has all the power and the right to punish them, he says, come here. And in Genesis 50, five chapters after this, this is what he says. You, oh, I feel this. You intended to harm me, but God meant it for my good, for the saving of many lives. Hold on before you clap. Let me prophesy. Let me speak this over you. What the devil meant for evil, God will make it good for you. That person may not know what they were doing to hurt you or offend you, but God is in the miracle working business of turning tragedy to triumph. Come on, can I get an amen? God has the sovereign power to take your trouble, to take your pain, and to to turn it into purpose. Somebody hear what I'm trying to preach. There is beauty from ashes. There's beauty from ashes. Oh, I gotta hurry. But then the story of the prodigal son. Here's a guy who he and his brother, they, they grow up in a wealthy home. They got a rich dad. And this little punk teenager decides that I want all my money now. I wish Lake would ask me for all my money now. I'm gonna give him $33.14. Can I get an amen from somebody? Go ahead and ask. And so the dad says, all right. In Jewish culture, this is, this is like a slap in the face. It's the same as a son taking his open palm and slapping the father across his face to ask for the inheritance before the father died. But the dad gives him the money. And the boy takes all the money, and the Bible says, read it in Luke 15, that he goes out, he's got wild living, he's partying, he's, I mean, he's living his best life. And isn't it funny, let's go back to your BC days, your before Christ days. Come on, somebody, just for a moment. Don't forget where God brought you from. All right, you remember back in the day, where you had a little money, you were the first one in your friend group to have a car, and you were it. Man, everybody wanna hang with you, why? Because you could drive them somewhere, and you could pay for things, but what happened when your car broke down? What happened when you had no money? You weren't it no more. Now they were split. And that's what happened to this boy. Everybody has left him. He's wasted all of his money and he's finding himself face down in a pig's pen. And the Bible says that he is starving to death and he looks at a trough full of pig's food. And he has this revelation. He says, look, when he finally came to his senses, he says, at my, at my dad's house, at my home, even the hired servants have food to spare. Yet here I am dying of hunger. He says, I'm gonna go home. I'll say to my father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to even be called your son. Take me on as a hired servant. So watch, he gets up. He returns home to his father. And I love this verse right here. And while he was still a long way off, his daddy was moved with love and compassion. Watch, you can't fully have forgiveness if you don't have love and kindness and compassion. 
That dad saw his son from a long way off, and the Bible says that the dad ran after him. Now look at me. They didn't have Nikes back in that day. The dad was wearing a long robe-type garment with sandals on his feet. He picked up the robe to his waist, would have been an embarrassment in the Jewish culture, and he ran as fast as he could to get to his son because he forgave him. He embraced him and he kissed him. And his son said to him, Dad, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm not worthy to even be called your son. And his father said to the servants, we're gonna have a party. He said, bring the finest robe in all of the house. Put it on him, get a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet, kill the calf, because we about to have steak. Can I get an amen from somebody? Somebody just felt the Holy Ghost right there, medium rare steak. Come on now, from Prime House Direct. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. I love this verse, because how many of this is you? He was lost, but now he is found. Let the party begin. Come on, that's a great place. The dad forgave him. It's a beautiful story. Some years ago, Ernest Hemingway wrote a short story called The Capital of the World. And in this story, The Capital of the World, Hemingway talks about a young teenage boy growing up in Madrid by the name of Paco. Paco came from a wealthy home and and much like the story of the prodigal son, he asked his dad for his inheritance early and he ran away from home after a big fight. And this time the dad knew that this was serious. But this time he recognized the boy's probably not coming back. So the dad set out to find Paco He went all over Madrid for five months trying to find his runaway son. In a final attempt to just reach his son by mass communication, Paco's dad takes out an ad in the Madrid newspaper. And it's one massive page and and here's what the newspaper ad read. Watch, dear Paco, meet me at the Hotel Montana noon Tuesday. All is forgiven. I love you. Signed your father. This isn't a joke, by the way, but you may laugh, but it's not a joke. On noon Tuesday, outside of Hotel Montana, were 800 teenage boys named Paco. All of them looking for love and forgiveness from their father. Forgiveness is powerful. And it leads me to the final, most amazing story of forgiveness. Jesus forgave me. Thank you, Jesus. At 19 years old, he reached his hand of grace into my life and he forgave me of all of the stupid wrong that I had done. I wish I could tell you that I bat a thousand whenever I'm hurt and offended, but I'm human. But it is in my prayer time and in my quiet time in the Lord when I'm frustrated with someone or angry with someone that I hear the Holy Spirit gently remind me 
the Lord can forgive you. You should be able to forgive others. It's what Jesus did. He took your place on that cross because he loved you. Knowing that you would make the mistakes that you make, knowing the wrong that you would do, and yet God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I want you right here, I'm gonna, I actually wanna ask you to be uncomfortable for just a moment. If you are thankful for the grace of God on your life, that he has forgiven you, would you just lift your hands just to say thank you? Come on, all around this room. Come on, for about 10 seconds. You don't have to say anything, but just thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. If you're here today and you don't know what that type of grace or forgiveness is, you don't have to leave here without it. You can have that forgiveness. You can have that mercy that when Jesus was on the cross, he had you on his mind. He had you on his mind. So Lord, may we see people through that lens, through that perspective, that you died for all people. It doesn't mean we excuse their behavior. It doesn't mean we pretend it away. It doesn't mean we have to try to forget about it. No, Lord, what it means though is that you can give us the strength to get out of this prison of bitterness and anger and hatred and revenge and walk in life more abundantly. Life to the full. All right, here's how I wanna close. Watch this. I wanna close with the Lord's Prayer because sandwiched right here in the middle of the Lord's Prayer is a prayer of forgiveness. Asking God to forgive us, but also asking God to help us forgive others. Can we read this together? I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave it on the screen for about seven seconds. And while you just kind of briefly read through it on your own, I want you to think about the offense. Think about the offender. And I want you in this moment, this is your chance right here to say, Lord, I don't have it all figured out. I know that I'm human. I know I'll still have emotions. I know that grief is funny. I know that pain because of what happened is real, but I'm not gonna leave here without saying, I'm giving it to you. And I'm gonna forgive that person for whatever they've done. Whatever they've done, Lord, I'm trusting you with the end result, but I don't wanna be, I don't wanna lose one more night of sleep. I don't wanna lose one more moment of joy. I don't wanna not have a hope any longer. You've got a plan for my life and I've been buried in this coffin of unforgiveness for too long. You ready? Come on, look over it. You got a name, you got a person, you got a situation. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Pray then in this way. Come on. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Here it is, you ready? And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church said amen and amen. Come on. Watch this. Verses 14 and 15 I showed you earlier. 
but I don't want you to miss that these verses come right after the Lord's Prayer. Watch. For if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't forgive other people, then your Father will not forgive your offenses. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart? What's the next move? Heads bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. Our campus pastors are about to move. They're gonna come. But I'm also gonna ask that our prayer team come to the altar at every one of our campuses today because some of you, you need to come to the altar and admit that you need help. To know that you're not in this journey towards forgiveness alone. Asking them for prayer, asking them for accountability, asking them for strength, for partnership, and you moving towards freedom that God has destined for you. So I want you to take just a few seconds. Remember, God wants to forgive you. And how you unlock the key to the spiritual freedom is forgiving others. And really, the only way that you can find that in your heart is if you have a relationship with Jesus. It all starts there. It all starts there. 10 seconds and then we'll transition.